Ik snap dat je je podcast wil luisteren, dus ik zal het kort houden. Want als jij het belangrijk vindt om duurzame keuzes te maken, kan ASR misschien helpen. Nou hoor ik je denken, hoe dan? Nou, bijvoorbeeld bij het duurzaam herstellen van schade. Of de premies die we beleggen volgens ons duurzaam beleggingsbeleid. Dat bepaalt waar we wel en juist niet in investeren. Wil je meer weten over welke duurzame keuzes ASR maakt? Ga dan naar asr.nl slash duurzame keuzes. ASR doet het. Zo, dan kan je nu lekker naar je podcast luisteren. So it's a Saturday, and today we won't be talking in Dutch, but in English. It's a first for us. And first time on exactly, Saturday morning, exactly. first time in English. And it has all to do with our special guest of today, John Food, historian, Italy specialized, and uh, more things, I, I think. Wrote an uh, amazing book about calcio, named calcio. The Bible on uh, Italian football, exactly. as we like to refer to it. <laughs> and welcome in Amsterdam, uh, John. Uh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for uh, for being here uh, with us in the in the basement of uh, FC Afkikken. Yeah, I didn't know there was an a podcast about it <laughs> 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 in, in, in in Amsterdam. It's very uh, interesting. Italian football is everywhere, I think. Mm. So why are you in uh, in Amsterdam? I was giving a couple of lectures yesterday on on Italian history. One on one on psychiatry and one on fascism. So I was invited to uh, to hit to give these talks and then I'm staying for a few days holiday and my family arriving today so nice really yeah, nice and a beautiful weather so it is it is yeah, the spring lucky. is coming <laughs> yeah and you won't be alone today Wesley is uh, is present as well as usual and Renate welcome uh, once again thanks very much for the second time uh, being here with us um Next week you will be joining us to uh, Fiorentina Inter. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Can't wait for it. Can't wait for it to go back to Florence and to uh, to watch a match with uh, somebody who is one of our arch rivals, which is Inter. So um, I'm very uh, confident. Um, I'm looking forward. Uh, I've I've mobilized some f- some friends who who run the Curva Fiesole, so they're gonna receive us with an aperitivo yeah yeah gonna talk us through about the culture and the rituals on the curva which i think is really nice um i'm gonna teach you the uh the fiorentina song i can mm-hmm. sing it out loud now if you wanted to but we'll I wait did you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you can start yeah, you, you're, you're gonna have to hide your passion know, your, your passion at azzurro i'm afraid in the curva <laughs> i, I will, think i'm I really will. welcome with yeah, Juventus, so. i'm not sure what christian the capo de la curva will do with you if he finds out Um, no, so I'm looking forward a lot to go back to Florence, yes. I will sing together with you, I think. Very good. Especially when Inter scores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to cry. Let's not talk about Inter at the moment. No, <laughs> it's, it's too yeah. difficult, I yeah, think. it's a painful subject. <laughs> Let's ignore the fact that Maurikard is leaving. <laughs> God, even, yeah, crisis. So you're an Interista, John? Yeah, that was um, when I went in, first went to Milan in 1988. Um, they won the championship the first year I was there and also the, um, uh, I met 
woman who became my wife there and uh, she's an Inter fan so I thought this is my team but then they didn't win for 20 years <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I brought a curse onto them <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah but that was I, it was either you know living in Milan it was it was going to be Milan or Inter um, but I went to see Milan a lot as well uh, with the Dutch players yeah. so it was a great time to be there the best three Dutch players in Italy ever I think yeah I mean uh, you know I'm I love Bergkamp but he wasn't that good in Italy <laughs> okay. but um, he was sometimes good better than people remember uh, especially in UEFA Cup but um, yeah they were amazing and it was just such an amazing team to see live because they just played this incredible football that was so different to to the Catanaccio of the past mm -hmm. I mean it was just so exciting they tried to win every game and, and Milan is a small place and you see the you see people famous people and I saw Hulitz and I saw Rijkaard you know two or three times just walking down the street with millions of people following them because <laughs> <laughs> they were superstars you know especially Hulit you know very exotic then there weren't many black people in Milan he was like you know everybody wanted to touch him everyone wanted to be near him and so you picked Inter over Milan yeah I mean it was chance uh, I mean <laughs> I'm an Arsenal fan you know that's the, yeah. <laughs> the main team so you're used to not winning that many prizes <laughs> <laughs> not in that time not in that time but um, yeah um, Inter and it's interesting you know the, uh, Milan is great fun because everybody is a Milan or Inter of course there's some Juve fans but and so there's a lot of funny joking every day about you know it's a great rivalry but it's not a violent rivalry and therefore uh, you know everybody you know there's a Milan fan Inter fan after the game everybody jokes about whether you lost or won it's more fun the other team losing than your team winning yeah. you know so I guffare that word exactly. Italian word I love that you know but you're sort of hoping for misery for the for your arch rival yeah. you ha it's better yeah. that your arch rival loses than you're actually yeah. winning yourself i enjoy that more i mm. enjoy when milan lose than when inter win I mean, it's like, <laughs> that's i think a lot of italians you know when um in istanbul when you know milan lost uh, I mean, the Inter fans were like having a party. Right? It's like they won the Champions League. <laughs> There's like a special song for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was more fun, it was more fun for them than than actually winning. So that, I, that all that side of of the fandom is is really fun in Italy. It's also, I think, it's also very much part of the Italian DNA. How the people actually are, they like also the polemica. Um, so it's if you like in Milan have two teams like Inter and Milan, it's. It's really what they thrive on almost to mm. to have a rifle, to have somebody to take the Mickey out of or um, to be angry of, to be upset about. I think it's very much, you know, what they enjoy in everyday life, this, this rivalry, to feel this rivalry between yeah. two teams. I agree, yeah, and it's, a, and it's every day, you know, it's a part of someone's identity. So if you have friends in Italy, you'll know that Juventino Interista... Uh, Milan fan, you know, Milanista. You know this, and this is the part of what you talk to them about. Yeah. Uh, every day, every, after the game, or when they've signed somebody, or when someone's been sacked, or all these kind of things. I love all that. Um, yeah. It's it's really um, it's really fun, and then you've got the the daily press and the TV programs and the shouting people and all these kind of things. You know. So it's the whole culture. Is that what makes it so special? Culture. It's so deep in uh, in everyday life. Um, that uh, you know, I was amazed when I went there how it kind of it wasn't just the football game actually it was everything the press you know the most read paper is still the Gazette dello Sport and everybody's so passionate about a subject it's uh, yeah it's like really a part of, of daily life yeah I mean 26 million people say they're fans right so that's one in two 
and that's including children and babies. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's, uh, it's a big part of people's identity and, um, and that goes right nationally. So you go to Sicily, to Turin, it's, it's the same. Uh, and so there's so much, and it's all political as well. So there's so much, it's so deep in the culture. It's much more than a game, I think, in, in Italy. That's it's why, that, yeah. That's why they don't, they're the only country in the world who don't call it the football game. They call it culture. It's 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 mm. much more than just a game where you can get over losing a match. No, you can't really get over. It just takes you it's to the other life, match. Yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah, it's it's really much more than that. You really, you know, the fans are called tifosi because they're literally sick of football, and that's 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 how they do feel it. You know, when you lose an important match, it takes a while to get it over to get over it. Yeah, we made a documentary about the Milan derby a few years ago and we interviewed people and there were a lot of people who, who couldn't watch the match because it, they were too tense, <laughs> too nervous. They had to go in for a walk or, and if they'd won afterwards, okay, their week was fine. If they lost, their whole year was ruined. So yeah. it's a big thing, right? And I think the same with the Rome derby. You know, these big derbies are almost more important than winning or losing a trophy. Mm-hmm. Milan, probably um, the Roma one, maybe some of the others, but the big derbies are, are, hu- are huge moments in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might say that in Britain as well, but I don't think, it, or maybe with the, the, the classical, but it's it's a lot of games in Italy that become this important um, in terms of the rivalries, and that dominates people's lives. Uh, maybe too much, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's not always it's not always good um, for people's psyches. I don't think. But as a spectator, it's very intriguing and fascinating to to watch that. I mean, I find it unbelievable sometimes what it does to uh, to families, to people, to neighbourhoods. Where you know people, um, where, how they celebrate, how they get upset about things. It's absolutely fascinating. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and everybody, families are usually divided, and there'll be interisti, Milanisti, Juventini, obviously everywhere. So. There's always one of them, or at least. There is one here. Of course, of course, there was. By statistically speaking, <laughs> but there are 10 million Juventini in Italy, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's an inc- that's an incredible uh, amount of people. So, you obviously they're going to be everywhere. Um, yeah, and so it divides families and divides couples, and that's fun, but it can also be quite tense. Mm. Mm. So, what's your connection with Italy? Why did you? pick Italy to to specialize on to focus on uh, two things well my grandmother was half Italian so she was born in Bologna in 1910 I've just been looking into getting her birth certificate trying to get British c- Italian <laughs> citizenship because of Brexit um, <laughs> Very <I don't>, yeah. <laughs> so I've been looking into history there so it's interesting so I've got Italian blood some of my some of my family Italian but also um, you're an oriundo some kind yeah, of, could yeah. be, uh, had you been a football player, they would, <laughs> yeah. they would try to uh, Yeah, I could have been in. a Riunda, that's true. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think it's going to work for technical reasons, but it's a real shame. <laughs> um, and the other reason is I, um, when I was doing my PhD, um, I was, my supervisor was an expert on Italy, and he sent me to Milan in 1988, so that's why I went there first, and I learned the language, and, and then I didn't really leave for 20 years, so... You know, I embedded myself into, I loved Milan, I loved, it was such an exciting place to be, and the football was part of that. And I lived, you know, 20 minutes from San Siro, so I would go there a lot, and you could just walk up and buy a ticket, 10, well, it wasn't even euros, 10,000 lira, 
five pounds, I don't know, and, <laughs> um, and walk in and see, you know, Van Basten, right? So it was incredible. And so that's, that was part of my education of Italy was football. And even the language, I watched a lot of football. That's how I learned. Hmm. I learned a lot of Italian through watching so my first kind of vocab- culture d'angolo yeah, yeah. <laughs> rigore d'angolo rigore uh, arbitro conuto you know, <laughs> important words that you must learn when you when you yeah. when you watch Italian especially football. if you're in the stands <laughs> in the stands I saw, and also I saw violence and it was the first time I'd, I mean I'd seen football violence in Britain I'd seen uh, quite a lot of that because I used to go to a lot of games but I saw organised football violence and it was scary you know people would master their faces Tear gas, police, you know, it was, I was like, wow, what the hell's going on here? Mm. So I wanted to understand that. And it was um, people throwing stuff on the pitch, going crazy, uh, but in an organised way, you know, the ultra, which I'd never seen before. So it was really interesting. And football, Italian football at that time was the, was the biggest league in the world. I mean, the best players were there and the money was there. And it was, you know, Maradona, Platini, it was incredible times of it be watching the game there and to live there of course yeah to yeah. be able to watch Baggio every week to, to watch Maradona and uh, yeah if we go to San Siro right now yeah we look at yeah, like five years ago at Muntari and <laughs> <laughs> other yeah. mediocre players you know it's a shame I think that that decline in the best players going there uh, although you know Ronaldo's there now so you could still say he's it's looking up a bit yeah I mean he makes he brings the profile up yep. for sure I mean if people are fans of him and will watch you wherever he yeah, plays exactly. actually yeah and he's still you know whatever you want to argue about he's still one of the best players in the world maybe the best player still so that's interesting and the amount of money they've got Juve but is that just Juve I mean they're, the Ramsey deal you know that's mm-hmm. wow how much money have they got but is that just them and there's we could talk about that. Is that yeah. a problem? Are they going to win yeah, forever? Exactly. That's what I wanted to ask. How many points ahead are they now? Mm. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's getting a problem, I think. Yeah, the question is whether Serie A will be exciting again and when. I think we need someone else to win, you know. I think yeah. it's a shame Napoli didn't win last year. Last year, with that 91 would points. Per- mm. would have been perfect, you mm. know. I think I was really hoping Napoli were going to win. And it, they nearly did, and it was in Florence, in Florence that yeah. it all went wrong. <laughs> and in Milano the day before, yeah, when Orsato exactly. Kubai getting sent off. After exactly, the, it was so close, and it was. Um, I think you they would have won again, but it would have been great for the. But now you you get this with Ronaldo there, you feel this feeling they're never going to lose, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that's a problem. And it's in American football or baseball, you would you would do something, but what can you do? You have all the power. Yeah, has all the power, has the money, has the stadium. I think it's not, we can't complain about it because they've done it themselves. I mean, they built the stadium. Nobody else has done that. Really, when they were with their back on the floor, when they were exactly. at the worst position possible, Syria B after Calciopoli, they were actually the, the only ones who used that moment, uh, that position to rebuild themselves and reinvent themselves. So that's the sad things that they do owe the success to themselves. The others became lazy, I think. Yeah, I think they're very well managed. They're very well run. And, you know, they've got amazing scouting. I mean, the players they've got low... They're for free almost, yeah. Yeah, Pogba and, you know, they've been people like that. They've brought through. Pirlo, nothing, yeah, so... I think if you look at Milan and Inter, they haven't been so well run. Understatement of the year. Uh, yeah, and I think that's uh, that's obvious that there's uh, they're both looking in a crisis of identity about where they're going. Uh, not so much the money because they got money, but it's just 
how you spend it, you know. And the fact uh, that youth is winning all the time is probably more of a threat to the Serie A than the fact that there's less stars than there used to be 30 years ago, I think, because for the fans that maybe matters a little bit less. They're as passionate as they were 30 years ago about their club, but it's it's just this powerful one club that's winning uh, all the time. That's um, Yeah, and we can't even blame it on the refs anymore because no, no. you, you've got VAR. I mean, yeah. it te- that takes the... In the, the past, you say, <laughs> say they're just stealing it, and uh, and that's com- to some extent. Oh my God, your listeners won't be happy. <laughs> I won't mention Calciopoli, but uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, now it's I've I've spoken to people about Syria, and they just oh, just the same team wins every year. Yeah, and it is a problem. And I think the Syria kind of realizes that. But what can they do? Some people argue that Italy needs another Calciopoli scandal. Yeah, but it's. It's now the referees are taken out of the equation because, okay, VAR can be controversial, but I think it, the whole tension around the referees is, has been, you know, that chapter on the referees, I need to rewrite that if I mm. do a new edition mm-hmm. because the VAR makes a yeah. massive difference and I think it's going to do it in the premiership as well, although the attitude to referees is different. So, yes, you can say they've got too much money, but, I mean, what that's a financial fair play issue which is not... Not really a Serie A issue. I think the stadium is crucial. They built their own stadium and it's always full. It's not a concrete bowl. And Milan, Rome, you know, they they can't do it. Yeah, they're planning to, to build a new stadium? For years now. In, in, Milan, in, in Rome, the plans are, well... I think it might happen in Rome. Yeah. It's going to take a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Italy. <laughs> if you know Rome politics, more yeah, than five years. Yeah. It's very political. It's all political in Rome, and it's all about the mayor. And and then they're going to dig up something, which means that they have to stop stop building the stadium because yeah. there's some roaming <laughs> architecture. <Exactly. laughs> There'll be archaeology. Yeah. They'll get involved. Yeah. In, exactly like the Fellini film or something. Yeah. Um, I think Rome desperately need a new stadium because that stadium is just inadequate. It's um, empty. Yeah, almost empty. every week. It's, It's not an atmosphere. It's uh, you have to show your passport four times to get in, you know. And Roma could have been a challenger as well, and um, and a lot of hopes with the money that they had. But you know, apart from Champions League, they haven't really. They sold their best players. Yeah, that's the problem. We talked about it yesterday. Yeah, they Salah. Do every summer. Salah went away. Alisson to uh, to Liverpool. Exactly. Yeah, and that's. I think they looked like they could be a challenger, but not not enough of a squad. Uh, if you look at what Juve's squad is. And they will have to sell Zaniolo as well, eventually. Yeah, again, sad, isn't it? I mean, Roma are a big club. They should be the they should be challenging. I mean, if you look how many times they came second, it was mm-hmm. yeah. it was unfair. They should have won <laughs> more championships. Yeah, at least one. <laughs> that's that's the Calciopoli issue. But they came second six times or five, you know, with Totti. Totti didn't win enough time. championships. But, um, yeah. But, you know, it's still, I think it's still really good football to watch. And it's better than... I would say better than the Liga, more technical than the, than the Premiership, better defending, more interesting tactically. Most exciting to watch. Yeah, I think so. With every, everything I, behind it. I think it's better because the players are more technical. You know, in Premiership, you've got defenders. If you put them in the in the Serie A, they wouldn't survive because it's you have to be a really good defender in Serie A. You have to be smart. Yeah, and you have to be able to trap the ball and, and mm. play with your feet and... And I think that the technical aspect, it's still Italy is the top, technically. Um, and managers are the best. I mean, they have the best preparation for the managers. They have Covacciano. They have the, the structures. I mean, they're incredible. Uh, you look at youth football and the way they can play football from 
when they're nine, ten, I mean, they're the best at that. But why the downfall of Datsuri then? Yeah, well, that's a long story. I think that's not so much about players. I think it's more about uh, who runs Italian football. And if you've got these ridiculous people in charge of Italian mm. football, but who are just, I mean, I don't want to be rude. But Carl just, Vecchio. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just look at what he says. He yeah. can't even speak properly. <laughs> so, I mean, he isn't... Being rude. I, I, I won't say what I really think about him, but I think it's just badly run and they're not proficient at the top. Lower down, yes, but at the top. And that reflects on everything, you know? And so, you know, putting someone like Ventura in charge of the national team, he's not, he's not, a, he's not the level they should be. And if you had someone normal, they would have easily got to the World Cup. They wouldn't have won it. Look when Conte was in charge. Same players, yeah? Yeah. So mm. I think it's about the, mani um, the management. And I think there are good young players. There's nobody amazing. I think that's the problem. There's nobody really, like you'd say, world star. A lot of good... Maybe some will Potentials, become. Potentials, yeah. Like Chiesa, Barella, Insigne could be, yeah. could be a really good player, but he's not really... There yet, no. Not at the national level. Mm -hmm. Um, Only the defenders like Chiellini, Bonucci, maybe. Yeah, and they're they're getting on. Old. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then no one, no one like Pirlo coming through that level. Not yet, no. Maybe they will. Yeah, maybe. I think yeah, course, Chiesa but, is yeah, interesting. Maybe it's also like a generational issue because you had Buffon, Gattuso, Pirlo. Those are big names. Yeah, yeah. They were yeah. in their prime in 2006 when they won the World Cup. Yes, and defenders. You know, he's still producing really good defenders, but it seems to be the the, the forwards is is where the problem is. Uh, and you haven't got that top scorer kind of player. No. Um, even though with the Italian team, there's something funny going on because even though they, even when they don't have the big stars in the team, you once they qualify for a tournament, because I think it's sort of part of that DNA. They know they won four times. Yeah. You know, and and Absolutely. I think it means that when you're part of the Italian national side and you play uh, a European Cup or, or World Championship. They can always do well. They, there's something that can... Mm. I don't know where it comes from, but that was in 2006 as well. They came straight out of Calciopoli. Okay, they had Pirlo, they had some big stars, but nobody expected anything from the Italian side. And when the whole world was sort of against them and didn't expect anything of them, then they sort of rise to the occasion and perform really well. And mm. I'm sort of waiting for that moment, that spark, something like mm. that to happen to the national uh, You could see side. it with Conte that he'd done that. With the, he'd brought, he'd made a team out of actually not that amazing raw material. Mm -hmm. So the managers are important. Ventura is just uh, embarrassing. I mean, I mm -hmm. could have done a better job than yeah. Ventura. <laughs> yeah. So you know, that was terrible. Man. And then they drifted for two or three years. They couldn't score. Yeah. So I think it's um, Mancini is a, is a good manager. So I think it's starting to come back. And um, you'd hope that um, these young players coming through in Roma, they are given a chance. Mm -hmm. So. That's interesting, yeah. I think. Because yeah, that's think, also the problem that the bigger clubs play foreigners. Yeah, mainly. But in, in Italy, you get more of a chance, I think, as a young Italian than you would in, in the, maybe in the Premiership. I don't know. Um, you need teams like Atalanta and Roma where they get a chance to, uh, to yeah. play for a week. Fiorentina as well. Yeah. yeah. I think some players get, have too much pressure on them and then they quickly fade, like Gagliardini or someone uh -huh. like that. I mean, he looked really amazing. And then he, the Inter fans just... And then he now he's he feels he, he feels does like nothing he's, anymore. He's all on his yeah. head when he comes on. So there is that pressure. So insecure. Yeah, yeah. If they make the move from Atalanta to Inter, from Milan to you to Juve, yeah, they don't perform anymore. It's mm. a big problem, I think. I think they should. You know, obviously Italy should be at the World Cup. It should be competing. I mean, there's no the last one. Let's hope it was a blip. Um, there are signs that it's getting better, but as long as you've got 
I think the top needs to be changed. And in Calciopoli, that looked like it might happen, but then it went back. You know, it's a classic yeah. Italian political thing. The old guard take control. Yeah. And, you know, Coney and, and Fiji Chi is a lot of money, a lot of power. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of clientelism there. So it's not surprising that people want to control those resources. Now they're all sitting on, keeping their seat warm. Exactly. Nobody wants to leave. It's very prestigious yeah. to be in a position like that. So yeah. it's difficult for guys to get out of the way for a new generation, make way. Yeah, and we saw with with Calciopoli that Donadoni was made manager. It was interesting, and he wasn't given enough of a chance. Um, but there was a kind of renewal. And then they brought back Lippi, a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the symbol of that. Why bring back Lippi? He's, it was just just the wrong thing yeah. nothing new yeah it was just like never do that never bring back a guy who has won the world cup but then has, has left you know? yeah. and that you know you could see in that world cup as so yeah we need they need new blood and there are a lot of good young managers coming through so i think you know maybe sally would be an amazing manager of Italy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah with the young players yeah. amazing playing style yeah yeah and I mean, he will leave chelsea <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it's not working there so um think uh, that's he yeah. will go somewhere else but italians in england almost never do well well conte won the, oh. on the yeah, conte Ranieri, of course the okay but like the that the yeah <laughs> Where did conte, i mean a lot of managers have done pretty well but also people like zola become a legend yeah. Yeah. yeah i think there was an interesting time in the 90s when the in the italian um Serie A, the, pr the pressing was was too much and, and the fantasisti left so zola badger not badger sorry um Someone like Benito Carbone, and mm -hmm. they had uh, Di Canio. They found a place in, in in Premiership because they had more space and time. Uh, so I think that's yeah. I think they've done pretty well, some of them, and some of the managers. And Conte was amazing what he did with that team. But he burns up and then leaves. Yeah, I mean that's his modus operandi, isn't it? Works so, for one year, two at, years, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wins and, and then leaves. I mean, where's he going to go now? Inter, maybe. Inter, maybe Real Madrid. Year. Yeah, Inter's a difficult one. Yeah. It? <laughs> difficult poltrone. It's always <laughs> difficult. Everybody <laughs> fails there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Even uh, Conte will, maybe. But politics and uh, football are heavily intertwined in Italy. Why is that? Politics is everywhere in Italy. So mm -hmm. everything is... There's nothing that's not political, right? So that's one point. So obviously football, which is which is incredibly a big business and, and so on. But also uh, football gives you power. Uh, and so right from Mussolini... Uh, the With stadiums as well. Stadiums and the national team. The, the fascists realised that football is power and they build stadiums like the Fiorentina Stadium. It's built, yeah. by, uh, built by the fascists, named after a fascist martyr called Giovanni Berta. Mm -hmm. And then it changes its name. Renamed. Yeah, <laughs> renamed later. Um, so it gives you power and then... So if you want power in Italy, one of the ways to get it or visibility is is to buy a football team. And then obviously I lived there when when Berlusconi was prime minister and man, and president of, of Milan. And you've got this incredible combination of political power, football power. And it, you know, it was extraordinary. Uh, but he used that very, he was very clever. He understood, and, and Salvini does as well. He, he tries it, yeah. He understood the language, you know, Shendo in Campo. When he when he took political, he he entered politics. He did it in a football language, Forza Italia as a football chant. So he was winning on both football and politics. 
And Salvini as well makes himself a fan. He makes comments on tactics. <laughs> yeah. He says this person should be, uh, we should play, you know, this. And, and people take him seriously. So Does it buy him votes? Maybe. I mean, it, it makes him into a normal person and an uh, everyday man, which he's very clever at being everyday man and a political man. And so I don't know if you watch him, his Instagram or something, he talked, ah, today I had pasta with the Pomodori. Yeah. <laughs> today I'm watching Milan. It's like he's one of us. With his Milan scarf in the San Siro. Yeah, he goes to the game, yeah. I mean, it's it's a strategy. Very clever, very clever. Yeah, but do you think like Italy is the, maybe the sole country in Western Europe where those yeah two things can be combined that easily because i don't see like our prime minister mark rutte being a president of <laughs> let's say pex volle that's unthinkable if you look at hungary there's, there's a lot of connections between football i mean many countries have these connections in some places it's really strong turkey as well now is um you know Erdogan is makes himself he was a footballer he makes himself you know it's, it's very strong in certain countries and italy um it's very powerful the connection not so much post berlusconi it's changed a little bit so you don't have the direct in in under berlusconi everybody tried to copy berlusconi so you have a guy called Cecchigori, who was Fiorentina resident Arizona, yeah. mp football president politician you're lots of people trying the, the same thing but i think throughout history sports has always been an instrument of politicians you know when it you know hitler didn't do anything else i mean and even if if we win gold medals in the olympics margaret is the first one to receive them to shake hands and to get you know yeah. photos being taken together with so i think it's always uh, being used as a political instrument maybe a little bit more in the public eye in a country like uh, like italy but even so in countries like holland yeah sure uh, i mean yeah they all they realize that it's it's a way of getting power and visibility i think in italy the difference was the direct connection um between well in the berlusconi era but between many other kind of minor politicians as well that's kind of changed i think post berlusconi because he's left the scene He's no longer Ish. still trying to hanging on in <laughs> exactly. there. Well, he's bought Monza, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. starting all over again. So maybe <laughs> together with Galliani. <laughs> so when Monza win the Champions League in three years' time, <laughs> yeah. we'll know that. Um, I mean, you have to say about Berlusconi. I'm not a political fan of his, but you have to say in terms of his uh, running of Milan, that's incredible what he did there. I mean, they were the best team in the world, maybe in the 90s, yeah, and uh, they won so many Champions Leagues and. I mean, the way they played, the football they played, it was, you have, even if you take, leave all the politics aside, take him just as purely a football president. And he did really well. He yeah, revolutionised yeah, Italian football. Yeah. He, he, he changed the way it was played. It was always quite defensive and then it became a pressing game. And that actually was ahead of everybody else. Mm -hmm. Now everybody plays. Klopp right, is made into a revolutionary. That was done by Saki in 88. Mm. Yeah, 20 Same years years Van Basten ago. is pressing the goalie. You know, if you watch those games... Watch the final, the 4-0 against Stoy Boycarest, I think it is. Mm -hmm. oh, I mean, they're pressing. Yeah. And they had to be so fit. And they had to, I mean, before you could wander around for half the game, if you were forward, not Van Basten. I mean, he, that's, he paid the price, right? He, 29, he's finished. But, uh, I mean, he was pressing the defender. And uh, so Berlusconi to revolutionize football uh, and also the way it was presented on the media as well. Look at what happened when he left. Yeah. I mean, he was already in decline, I think, uh, and so he he had debts and he mm -hmm. had to get out, and he uh, he he was losing the plot. But there was a ten years with Capello, and where they were, I mean, 
mean, it, Milan were an incredible team in that period. I mean, whether they'll ever be that big good again, I don't know. Because you can lose, get behind too many others. Um, so it's interesting what will happen to the city of Milan now. City of Milan is probably the most successful football city in the world, yeah, in mm. terms of trophies. Mm -hmm. I think only, what's the rival? There's one other city, is it, is Madrid. it Madrid? Yeah, I think yeah. it's Madrid. Madrid is bigger. Yeah. So Milan is a city of one million people. It's nothing, right? And it's won so many trophies. So it's an incredible place with these two big teams. Back to football and politics. Even the football ultra are often politically uh, oriented. Like the supporters of Livorno are uh, strongly committed to communism. Why is that? Well, the ultra organized fans, um, they so they started in the 70s and they, they are organized groups of fans who, who stay in the curva and they, they organize the singing and the choreography and the banners. And the, but they are also many, often political, not always often political. So they mostly now on the right, but some are on the left. And so they will take political messages into the curva. The curva is a very visible place. The journalists will report on it. They will say, I tifosi hanno detto che, which is, <laughs> Banner says, you know, Striscioni. Striscioni. And, uh, and, and they will also use violence when they need to, to get what they want. And there's a lot of evidence that quite a lot of them are influenced by organized crime now ticket sales, drugs, so they're kind of on the edge of illegality all the time. Um, I think politics is just a part of it. I think it's about power. It's about space. If you go to the Kurva, you're going next week, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. we are. This is a kind of space outside of everyday life. Yeah. yeah. What you can do in the Kurva, you can't do anywhere exactly, else. Exactly, yeah. You can do whatever you want. It's, it's like zona a free Franca. space. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And the police don't go there. No. I mean... Why? Well, they... It would be a scary place to go for a police. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think they have a kind of unwritten pact that they won't touch La Curva and they will be left alone. Nothing else will happen. This is not always true because mm -hmm. we saw terrible violence this year outside the stadium with the um, Inter Napoli. Yeah. yeah, a few days back, even exactly. with the Lazio Sevilla game that five people were stabbed. Yeah, in Rome, and that's yeah. a common, common thing. And the police never do anything about Rome, which is a very dangerous place for a fan to go. And I think that's terrible that they know they they have the intelligence, mm -hmm. but they don't do it. And I think that's a there's a link between some of the fans and some of the police. But the ultra, you know, they are still very powerful, and they and they don't want to lose that power, so they will use it. In Roma, they had a strike for maybe six months about this putting these barriers in the curva, and they won. <laughs> you know, the, mm. the okay, enough, right? We give up. So. They're very powerful. They will, and um, there's not. It's very difficult when you're a club owner or a dirigente to stand up against the Capo Ultra. I mean, it's going to be the end of your career in your in the football club. You're, you're just finished if you dare to stand up against them. Yeah, I mean, they will threaten you. Um, Galliani had a guard, you know. So they, it's easier for the for the man, for the owners just to say, "Okay, you're there. I'm here." I'm going to leave you alone. And that's even true in the new stadium. So it's not a question like of... Like it's happening in Juve, right? Yeah. yeah the, 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 the power, yeah, the ultra is still very powerful in the in the, in the stadium. Even though the stadium is all-seater and new and modern, it doesn't make any difference. So it's not about necessarily just putting seats in. I mean, in theory, there are seats in the curva, you will see, but no one's sitting on them. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're not really seats and they no. don't have numbers. They have numbers, <laughs> but no one cares about exactly. the numbers. So uh, do you think there's a solution to the problem? Or would I mean, it just... Yeah, stay remain remain the same forever. Actually, I, no. I think that 
I've talked about this before. I think the you could go towards a British model, which is all seater. You break up the curva, uh, and you have a family stadium, a much more passive stadium. They resist that, mm. obviously. No, our culture moderno, which is the kind of slogan, mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. to modern football, um, is that the, their power will be broken. And nobody has seriously done that. So I don't know. But that is the, that is the way to change it, whether it will make the games more boring. Well, also, you know, there's a lot of Italians who don't have that much money. And what has happened in, this, in the Premier League is that if you want to go to see a football match, it's costing an awful lot of money. Whereas next week we're going to go to see uh, Fiorentina Inter. I think a ticket on the curve is maybe 25 euros. That's still a price that's affordable for a lot of people. And I think they also re- resist because of that reason. I agree. And, yeah, it's the, what you call it, the bourgeoisization of the premiership is it becomes like going to the theater or the yeah. opera you know if you go to the emirates or something there's a yeah, the arsenal season tickets are maybe the, one of the highest in europe i think yeah i mean and and there's some guy working next to you on his laptop right mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. it's like yeah. he's not even watching the game yeah. and, and it's, it's annoying because it's it's a it's not really it doesn't feel that the atmosphere is killed so mm. you lose something well i personally maybe it's not something i should be saying and um but i in a way also like that nasty side of football a little bit when you go to an italian football stadium like you said it's a it's a bit of an area of free expression. You can say things. I say things. You'll see <laughs> yeah, next week. But I won't easily say in normal everyday life. And that's what I like about it. We'll have a camera with us. It's a spectacle. <laughs> yeah. it's, a spect- it's part of the spectacle. And I, I love that about going to the San Siro because the spectacle is incredible. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's an old concrete stadium. It's falling apart. It smells it's the food's disgusting. If you're a woman, mm-hmm. you can't find anywhere exactly. to go to the loo. Yeah. There is no food at the Tepson yeah. Rosso. It's not. It's it's just a place for watching football. It's nothing else. It's not a place for making money, and I quite like that. And it's also the charm of Italian football, of course. Yeah. I yeah. remember being in, in in San Siro once as an invite, sort of wandering around, wondering where is the <laughs> VIP area, where are the sky boxes of all. I was in it, and I loved it. The fact that it wasn't marketed all over the place and taken over by big companies. Uh, but just still a football stadium. The press box is really unglamorous. So yeah. like, we went to a game there and um, at half you know, time there's these not very nice panini and like paper cups of Coke and all the <laughs> journalists are like descending yeah. on that they've never eaten before. It's not like, you know, it's not, no. like, it's not like going to a, a VIP box. In no. uh, so it's interesting. And I, I think eventually that will, you know, maybe... In 10, 20 years. That Cause will... its death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but so it, it's it happening was... right now, I think, because I paid, for example, 90 euros for uh, the match between Milan and Inter in three weeks mm. for the third uh, tier. So which yeah. is a very high price. That's the derby, though. So, you know, I'm not... S- I know that's not... That's a lot, but I think mm-hmm. that's an unusual game. It's quite hard to get a ticket. It's a lot of yeah, money, then. Yeah. 90 yeah. euros. The third tier, you can't... It's like watching a chess game. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> tiny you can see people. the tactics, right? <laughs> <laughs> I remember, yeah, it's great for seeing the tactics, yeah. but you, yeah, I've, I've been to quite a lot of games out there. Take your binoculars. Yeah. 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 I mean, when they built that, it was all quite strange because they built it around. For 1990, they built, they didn't rebuild, knock down the stadium, they just built another bit around the top. Um, but actually, that was a, obviously the famously killed the grass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it took them years to get around to, to you know, what are they going to do with the grass doesn't grow? You know, it's one of those classic Italian things. A lot of the stadiums <laughs> rebuilt in 90s. The 90 World Cup were not not very good. Mm-hmm. Fact, some of them have already been knocked down. Bali is a disaster. Yeah. yeah, beautiful but terrible place to watch football. So nobody yeah. plays there, right? 
Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> it's it's like a white, yeah. white elephant. Most yeah. beautiful stadium in the world, but a disaster. I think mm-hmm. the last time it was completely packed was when Juventus won the, the Scudetto yeah, there. Probably, uh, yeah, probably, yeah. It played in 90 World Cup. It played the third, fourth game there. And it's amazing, but it's crazy. And it's all falling apart because it's the manu- the maintenance costs. Uh, Renzo Piano, mm-hmm. architect, yeah. yeah but Yeah, they. Uh, some people say you need another big tournament to, for the money to come in. And I think they're going for... 2026, I, I think, yeah. already. They lost for 2016, didn't they? Didn't they run also the campaign for two? I, I think they try and they try and they try mm. and they never get it. So One, they lost because of Calciopoli. Yeah. yeah. Sure, the one that went to Ukraine and I think it was. They they should have got that. But they that was because of the middle of... Yeah. But they you know, haven't had a big tournament since 1990. Mm. So I think it would be good for Italy uh, to have some money going to the stadiums and some infrastructure because it won't come from the state. Do you think it's ever going to happen that Milan's going to have two stadiums? There's lots of plans and Rome as well, yeah. But um, every time the plans are, you know, it's very difficult in Italy to build something like a stadium, yeah. You need political power. That's why... Fiat can do it, yeah, because they have like they say we're building a new stadium, <laughs> yeah. and they do it right. Yeah. But, I mean, who else has that power? Yeah. Berlusconi doesn't have that power. No, so you have to be like Fiat, and nobody's Fiat. But in Turin, they did it. They soon have in the two power. years. They did it. I mean, it's an, it's an, a lesson in in what power is. And they knocked down the old one and they built a <laughs> new one. And but in Milan, oh God knows. I mean, I love I love the San Siro, so I think it would be sad. But but maybe that. And also the fact that both teams play in the same stadium is kind of fun. But, um, yeah, they need uh, something more modern, I think. But Suning, the owners of Inter, have loads of money. They but do. no political power, maybe. Yeah. No political power, no. yeah. So they need mediators. Yeah, yeah, Italy, yeah, yeah. Same with the, the, the Roma owners. Uh, they don't... They have money, but not power. And that's... Uh, <laughs> but it's going to have money and power. Yeah. But yeah. not local power. He had national power. Local power is hard. And and now it's, you know, the mayor of Rome is every day talking about the Rome Stadium. It's like, and of course, Roma fans, are, there's millions of them and they're crazy and they're like really interested in this. So that's going to move your votes. <laughs> Could win your election yeah. or not. Yeah. So when she blocked it, that wasn't popular. Yeah. Because I think they, the fans are fed up with going to the Olympico, you know. It's miles away. You've got a running track. Yeah, and God knows with the Napoli Stadium for God's sake, that's going to fall down. And yeah. the well, yeah. I remember when I was sitting there when it was the farewell game of Ciro Ferrara and Maradona came. It felt like it was crumbling down. It was sitting on the highest uh, ring. God yeah. Almighty! Yeah, you, you don't want to be a Cassandra, but you think there's there's going to be a disaster or some. You know, maybe it'll take a lot of people to die, or because these stadiums are not safe. No, no. I mean I'm always amazed by some even the San Siro. You know, if there's a it's so many barriers and walls and fences and it's it's really sometimes you feel like you're caged in you know, yeah and uh, it's concrete and you know beautiful but also kind of quite scary as well you, you don't know how to get out at the, the top yeah I mean, yeah yeah exactly exactly at the stairs <laughs> yeah go around this. Go some around guy fell road. off some, somebody once fell off this uh, and of course that's famously where they took the Motorino yeah, right? exactly. oh, against right. Atalanta during yeah. the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a crazy story! Why could you couldn't invent Only these in things? Italy. <laughs> yeah. Only I love the stories. I mean, you know, that's what I love doing in my book was telling these incredible stories. Is that also the reason you started writing the book? Yeah, I mean, the story, the material was so incredible. You know, someone like Gaucci, who was president of Perugia, was like an unbelievable personality, character who's 
buying people because he'd seen them on video, um, <laughs> appointing a woman manager for three days, then sacking her, um, trying to bribe a, a referee by giving him some horses. I mean, these stories are giving just... Giving a contract <laughs> to the son of uh, Gaddafi. Getting oh. it. I mean, hey, you know... You couldn't make it up. <laughs> that is just... So, no. I mean, exactly. And they're never playing him. And then playing... Gaddafi's son play for 10 minutes in Syria. <laughs> just tell that story. It's an unbelievable story. Yeah. No. He was staying in a five-star hotel. Yeah. He's basically going to training. I mean, it's With just 10 brilliant. women, yeah. Yeah, oh, God, the stuff is... So the material is brilliant. And, and the stories get better and better all the time. I mean, I was... One of my friends from Florence, his dad, used to play for AC Milan and Palermo, and he got involved in the Totonero scandal. Ah, what's Gu- his name? Guido Magherini. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he was a goalie, right? Uh, no, 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 he no, was a, defender, he no. was a left winger. Oh, okay. They'll still remember him in Palermo because he uh, he used to score in the Coppa in the Coppa Italia game. He scored um, straight out of a corner. Still, you know, he's still a hero just because of that reason mm-hmm. in Palermo. Yeah, exactly. But um, anyway, when there's a birthday party, he'll you know he was part of it. You'd you'd, you'd assume he'd be embarrassed maybe to tell this story. But he'll be telling on parties. <laughs> oh, I remember the day that the Carabinieri came into the stadium and they locked us all in and they took us to jail and we didn't do anything. And he was part of the biggest bribery scandal before Scalciopoli. And, you know, just the idea that it was live broadcast that in stadiums in the whole of Italy, police cars were just driving onto the pitch and taking off uh, involved football players. I mean, yeah, you I'm- can't, that won't, that yeah. wouldn't have happened anywhere else except in Italy. Big players as well. I yeah. mean, if you think of the, that was the 1980s scandal, which is match fixing, straightforward match fixing, people paying players to throw matches, uh, you know, kind of very uncomplicated form of corruption. Uh, s- small amounts of money involved considered today would be chicken feed. Mm-hmm. But people like Paolo Rossi were caught up in this, big players, you know. So it wasn't just little players. There were no. some old players at the end of career. Well, Magarini thought, I'm 35, you know. I'm nearly finished well. anyway. <laughs> Let's yeah, get extra. some money. I might just make some money for <laughs> yeah, my son's well. future. Yeah. That's that's what. No, no prison sentence, right? Nobody no, was convicted, no. so just sporting sentence. So, yeah. I mean, he had a ban, but he didn't go. To, he went. Might have gone to jail before trial, but I don't think he went to trial after. No. Yeah. And the book was published in 2006. Um, are you planning on making like a 2019, 2020 version? So I was very lucky because the book came out in 2006, and the. Uh, Renata's got the original, which is my, Yay. Fa- my, <laughs> my favorite cover. Yeah, Maradona, Maradona and Ferrara. And Ferrara giving Maradona the spaghetti. <laughs> um, but I was lucky because the year it came out, there was Calciopoli and the World Cup. So did a new edition. But I, in the Italian edition, it's up to 2010. So if you buy the Italian one, you get more updates. And I've been keeping notes on what's been going on. So one day I, I had to do a new volume or, or not. It's getting too big, so maybe a new volume. No. But there's always amazing material. I mean, the other day there was this incredible story of, in the lower league, of uh, the ultra were threatening the players, um, and they uh, four of players pretended to be injured. This was a couple of years ago, and so they they stopped the game, um, but none of them were injured really. And it was it was it was the thing about ultra power because they they said if you play this game which you don't, we don't want you to play, we're going to beat you up. 
after the game and so they just if you watch the film they're all pretending to be injured <laughs> they're getting carried off with stretchers there's nothing wrong with them and the game gets called off because if four that, people was that that as roma match where totti goes and talks to the ultras and uh and they yeah yeah and it's called off that yeah. was another yeah that yeah. was uh i think there was one derby that was called off because a rumor went around that a child had died, died mm-hmm. exactly. and it wasn't true and uh, then but Totti, Totti to, goes and talks to the ultra. And the Kappa Ultra turn out to be a cameraman and an artist or something. <laughs> they're not like what you think are sort of low-life guys. They're, yeah, they're like that. guys with jobs. <laughs> and in the latest clashes in, in Milan, one of the people involved turned out to be an industrial designer, quite a famous right. one. So it's strange double lives of the ultra. Yeah. You know? yeah, so yeah, definitely I keep my eye out. But when I have time to... Uh, um, I would like to do write about it again. It's It's always a great way to understand Italy and that's what I like about it it's I think it, it's a way into Italy which is which really tells you a lot about not just about football but it's it's never just about football it's always about culture and politics and immigration Mafia. yeah mm-hmm. I think you can understand racism a lot by looking at someone like Balotelli and his career and his the way he's been treated is is, is a fascinating way of understanding how it's, Italians understand race and immigration mm-hmm. is football a mirror of italian society often it is yeah often it and it, even more than that sometimes it it affects italian society so it's not just it's not just a passive mirror it's often actually changes things mm. so you know the 1982 world cup is the moment when more italians are doing the same thing in the history of Italy, 95% are watching TV, right? I mean, there's nothing like that. Nothing comes close. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Not a demonstration. Um, um, nothing. A few, it's, it's the biggest collective moment in Italian history. And so, you, you know, that's from football. Um, and it's never going to be repeated because now we have internet and sky and everybody's watching the same program, hearing the same commentary. Everybody instantly. 30 million people. It's amazing, yeah. Maybe Sanremo. Sanremo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sanremo is the other moment of the year. But um, again, now is we have so many messages. But then it was just TV. Um, I remember in the in the 2006 World Cup, I was living in Florence and at this courtyard that I was looking onto from my living room. And during the World Cup, it was just amazing because onto this courtyard, there was... I don't know, there were maybe 50 little windows from all kinds of apartment looking down onto this little courtyard. And it was hot. And you could, and all the windows were open. And you could just see the flickering lights from the TV screens coming through these windows and hearing the same sounds of, mm. of Fabio Caressa and, and, and the commentary and everybody. Bad, me. It was just, you know, Italians and their TV, TVs and living. It was amazing. There was a, a delay between the sky and the, and the rye. <laughs> so these friends of mine in uh, in Milan, they played this game where they, they pretended the penalties had been scored or not scored. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the people opposite were getting really angry because it was because of the delay. Because I, I think seven pe- seven percent of people watched Sky, yeah. but the Sky commentary became much more famous yeah. than the Rai commentary. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Caressa, Caressa is, yeah. the, is the voice of that, yeah. but only seven percent of people watched it on Sky. Oh, that's strange. Because you have the, you have the choice, right? Yeah, uh, and. Um, so it's a brilliant, also an example of of how. Strange yeah. Exactly, Andiamo Berlino. Yeah. Exactly, Goldi Grosso. He was very clever. Everything. Very clever at the standbites. 
and in in the previous World Cup, it was a guy called Martinetti who was who was the, had had thought about what he was going to say before, and mm. he said "Campione del mondo, Campione del mondo, Campione del mondo." <laughs> Very simple. Repeat yeah. three mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. They'd won three World Cups. It goes and it's an advertising it's technique. True, yeah. yeah. But Caressa was very clever. Who remembers the other commentary? I don't no. even remember who was doing it. No, no. So it's interesting. Yeah, um, he rose to fame because yeah, of, yeah. yeah. Now nah, he's a bit annoying, I think. Yeah. Because <laughs> he shouts all the time. Still talk show host, of yeah, course. Yeah, I think, yeah. Of Sky Culture Show. I loved all the Italian football programs, especially the local TV. Yeah. Teddy Lombardia and all these things. And mm. I got really into these. And people would watch these without, and they wouldn't watch the game. They watched the men shouting at each other. Yeah. The Ciano Crudelli as well. Yeah, it's the most famous <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah, we he, know him here in Holland. Yeah, he, be- a class class Hunter, yeah. <laughs> he became famous in, uh, yeah. globally, but he was just on this local channel mm. and uh, just shouting. But he's a you know a personality for sure. But that's, that's a strange yeah. phenomenon. I mean, you can't watch the match, but you just see the the commentators talking about the game go- and what's going on on the field. I think it's it's like being with friends. Uh, my mother-in-law used to watch Teddy Badia, not the match, because it's like being in the bar. Mm without having to leave your house and so it was fun and you still knew what was happening in the match but you could do your cooking or your sewing at the same time yeah so i think that's why it's so p- powerful it's also really cheap tv mm-hmm. yeah of course because yeah. like, they haven't got the game they got just one guy shouting at camera guys watching <laughs> it, yeah. tv shouting just yeah. I mean, cheering i, I think it's incredible creative though to yeah. do something like that and also the appreciation from the th- uh, the theater aspect of football because it's just like as if you're watching a theater play i think it's very creative to to resolve a situation like that and they have a goal in the studio <laughs> yeah. and they so they recreate also a lot of them are players so yeah uh, ex-players so they will recreate the goal for you. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's yeah. theatre, yeah. They're pretending. They're like cartoon characters. Tatiana yeah. Kudeli is a cartoon character. Yeah. Yeah. Nectar, Larger yeah. than life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, when he just says, goal, 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 <laughs> for half an hour. Yeah. yeah. It's, he's at the stadium. They are spectacle, yeah? Yeah. So you've got him and the Inter guy next to each other. Tramontana. Yeah. And it's, it's the guy he used to, uh, Corno, he used to argue with all the time. And there's the Juve guy. And then sometimes there might be a Roma guy or a, gay, <laughs> or a woman as well. Sometimes women, mm. not that many are allowed. But no. <laughs> a few, a few, yeah. But um, it's a man, man's world still, yeah. It would never work over here, I think. I don't think so, no. No, because you don't have larger-than-life characters mm-hmm. who throw themselves no. into a role like that. That's what you need to make it worth watching. They try it in Britain. It's, it's not the same, though. They have the sort of, uh, you know, Paul Merson or something yeah. like that. But yeah, yeah. We're too cool, I think. Yeah, they don't they don't go for the full theatre. Mm-hmm. The Italians are much better at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So their way in. of life, yeah. And you've got the whole culture of the radio, you know, and, and that's interesting. That was really, mm-hmm. people would listen on their little transistors. And, and they still do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And now the phone is, is you know, I changes think things. Francesco Rebici is amazing. I mean, the way how he describes the, the, the game and whatever happens is... is they got tra- so great, incredible tradition of football commentary mm-hmm. and, and experts. You know, if you, yeah. I really, I, they really know what they're talking about. Italian journalists, like you watch them interviewing the footballers, they say, "Oh, in the second half, you changed." You yeah. watch the Premiership interview. Is it how was that? Or yeah. was that a good it's game? True. It's really low level. But also it? the level of writing in the Gazeta dello Sport, the sports pages, yeah. is incredible, yeah. unprecedented. Many really. metaphors as well, literary. Yeah. You know, yeah. no, like, but they know the fact. They yeah. get the fact straight. They, it's it's sometimes prosa. You know, it's just uh, really well written and 
and, and then the day after David Asori died, they had like a full newspaper full of information about him. They, they knew everything yeah. one day after they, they died. The memory of, um, you know, the way that kind of, when something like that happens, the way the fans really do a serious job of m- remembering this guy. And, and, you know, it's still, if you go to Florence, everywhere, yeah. in mm-hmm. the bars and around the stadium, uh, it's amazing. I was there in, in this last year and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a thing that's really felt. Uh, and uh, by the by the fans, I think that's a really good side of the ultra. Uh, there's a lots of positive things that they do. I mean, there's a group called Big Lebowski. I don't know if you ever come across them mm. in Florence, who are kind of these lefty. Uh, it's like about seventy little groups. Uh, yeah, fans. they're really interesting. Yeah, okay. Because they they kind of they're not into the sort of hardcore politics. They're more in kind of working in the community and things mm-hmm. like that. And they're not interested in controlling the curva or dealing drugs or whatever they're interested in kind of footballers culture so they're interesting yeah or yeah yeah we could talk for hours and hours <laughs> i know but uh, i think the podcast has uh, has come to an end thank you for being with us john yeah, it's, it's been a, a it's been a pleasure and an honor a great honor sign our books that are lying <laughs> yeah. all over the place here before you go of course exactly yeah. thank you for inviting me it's been uh, fun and we hope to see you again. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Next time. I'm definitely coming back for other university works. So um, I'd really like to go and see a match, actually. Of yeah, Ajax. We should, we should yeah. go, yeah. The yeah. best team of the Netherlands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been We to could Ajax. argue about that as well. So. <laughs> well, yeah, very, uh, thanks very much for coming. And, uh, well, have a very nice time with your family here in Amsterdam. And Forza Inter, Renata. Alla prossima. Thank you.